0: Good day to you and welcome to the podcast for the Union Street Meeting House. In this podcast, we will be sharing messages from our weekly worship services. Union Street Meeting House is a Christian ministry that introduces people of all ages to Jesus Christ and recalls those who once knew Him back into an intimate, vibrant, living relationship with Him. We are a house for Christian fellowship and personal growth. You are always welcome here at Union Street Meeting House. Let's go into this week's message right now.
1: Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Uh, Goodness, aren't you glad for summertime? Yes. My goodness, these long days, I love it. Oh, it's wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Oh, thank the Lord. I, uh, I lived in Siberia. For a number of years, and uh, this time of the year, I remember uh, uh, right about this time, maybe, maybe around the 15th of June, I, uh, I remember occasion where I had to be in Kiev, and I flew from Moscow to Kiev, and when I came back, I landed at, at uh, Shere Mitzvah there at Moscow, and um, it was about uh, 11.30, and it was still light. And uh, so those days were even longer there than they are here because we were further north. So it was a wonderful, wonderful time of the year. And it's just a joy to see each of you. And uh, I'd like you to open your Bible this morning to Matthew chapter 13. And uh, I'm going to ask my wife to read a a passage here. And so we're going to be drawing on this passage Matthew 13, starting in verse 24, and she will read down through verse 30.
2: Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, An enemy has done this. The servants said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at the time of harvest I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just praise you and thank you, Lord, yes. that this is a good, good day. It's a day that you have made, and we will yes. rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, that we sang so many songs about how much you love us, how you've been so faithful, and Lord, we can declare that. And Lord, we just pray today, if no one, if there's anyone here that has not experienced that love that you have, we pray that this would be the day. We thank you, Lord, that your word is truth. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercies that are new to us every morning. We pray God that you will open up our ears Lord and our hearts to receive this word today. Lord God that the word will fall upon uh, good ground. I pray your blessings upon Pastor Carl that the anointing of the Lord be strong upon him today and Lord God that he will speak the very oracles of God that he will speak what you have put within his spirit and Lord God we just thank you. Lord we know that your word does not return into your void and we give you praise and thanks for all that and Father I bless this congregation I plead the blood over every one of us Lord God that we would walk in health that we would walk in strength that we would walk in sound mind that we would walk in joy and peace and the victory Lord God knowing that we are victorious in your word we thank you for your word that is life to our flesh and health and strength to our bones so we give you praise and thanks for all that you're going to do here today in your precious name we pray. Amen.
1: Praise the Lord. Because my subject this morning is not the parable. We're going to use the parable to help the subject. The subject is the kingdom of God. It's a subject that I believe the Holy Spirit is is emphasizing in this hour. Uh, After the turn of the century and we entered uh, into this century The Holy Spirit had, of the last century, the 1900s, the 20th century, had poured out of the Holy Spirit and many scholars considered that century to be a century of the Holy Spirit. Last Sunday, Pastor Bill ministered to you about the Holy Spirit. It's Pentecost Sunday. It is crucial that we uh, honor and uh, hear The voice of the Spirit. Jesus said seven times, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. And so this this is important to us. And so we want to focus now, after we've had such an outpouring, and all through the 20th century we had the greatest evangelism probably of any century on the earth. Uh, Billy Graham was one of the evangelists that we all know. There were other powerful men and women that covered the world. And how marvelous, how marvelous it was. And we could tell those stories. But we, I don't want to go there except to say evangelism was a great issue. 1954, the Southern Baptist who has more evangelists on the field than any other denomination had this uh, motto. It said... Uh, a million more in 54. That was a million new souls that they wanted to get saved. And what a great harvest it was all over the world. And when we see the stadiums filled with the evangelists and that type thing earlier in this century, and Billy Graham himself started with the tent meeting. Having having accomplished that, and then the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that came starting about the time in a a great way at the end of the Second World War with the Lateran Movement, and then the great outpourings, and through all that, Israel became a nation, and God began to do great things in the earth. And sometimes we forget, with our emphasis on personal salvation, that God is establishing a government. So when I use the word kingdom, when the Scripture uses the word kingdom, that word is tied to the nature of God. And God's nature is sovereign. When we hear about all this gender confusion, and when we hear about all of the murders that are going on in our cities, we hear about the war in the Ukraine. We, as Pastor Bill said, we, we just hear, we're just up to here with hearing all that. How many of you know that, and beyond all that, God is still in control? Amen. He's still on the throne and he's still a sovereign God. And sometimes we need to know that and have that affirmed to our heart lest we get caught up in the whirlwind of foolishness that's taking place around us. How many of you know that Jesus Christ is made unto us wisdom, righteousness, and sanctification? He's more than just getting us to heaven. He wants to get heaven into us and then He wants us to pray, Your kingdom come. Your will be done here on this part of your earth. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth today as it is in heaven. So I want to talk about the kingdom of God that flows out of the nature of God. Now, you think about this. There are between six and seven billion people in the world. And most of them are half crazy. Huh? Is that right or wrong? Yeah. Some of them have gone complete crazy, but most of them are half crazy. And how are you going to keep order in the earth to keep these people from killing one another and destroying the whole system? How are you going to do that? Well, we'll elect a Democrat. Maybe that'll help. What do you think? God is a God of government. And the interesting thing is that prior to the flood, there's no mention of nations in your Bible. He never established nations until the 10th chapter of Genesis. Noah got off the boat at the end of the 6th chapter. I mean the end of the 8th chapter. The ninth chapter, he entered a covenant with God. God entered a covenant with Noah, really, and all the earth. And he said, I'll never do that again. And to prove that, he said, I'll put the rainbow in the sky. And every time we see that rainbow, there's something about our heart that goes boom, boom, boom. We know God is still on the throne, don't we? He said, I'm not going to do that again. And so then he starts a process in the earth that was different prior to the floods. And one of those was he established nations, which means he was established civil government. Civil government is God's idea. And we see this in the New Testament, the Romans 13. And they said the police officer doesn't wear the sword in vain because he is God's minister to execute God's wrath on unrighteousness or on anarchy, or on total rebellion. So the police force are ministers of God. And when we talk about defunding the police, we're saying, get God out of here. It's a godless, godless solution. It is not a solution. It brings further destruction. Okay. And so God's going to set up a kingdom, and he works through a process, and we don't have the time to talk about this process, which is a beautiful process, establishing Israel, establishing the law, until He could bring into the world a Savior, a Messiah. Not just a Savior, but a Messiah. And if you'll notice that all the way through the Gospels, there's very little about salvation, and the word church is only mentioned twice, and that's mentioned in the book of Matthew. Because Jesus Himself inaugurated the kingdom of God in the earth. It doesn't mean God wasn't sovereign. He was sovereign prior to Jesus' coming. But when Jesus came, He inaugurated that government in the midst of men. I want you to see it. So let's turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew 3. And so if you'll keep your Bibles handy, we're going to turn to a few scriptures because... uh, one of the things about Pastor Bill is he loves the Word of God. He was trained to know the Word of God. And he gave himself to that training and he puts the emphasis on the Word of God. He made a powerful statement last night in our Bible study. He said that the, that the importance of truth, he talked about the importance of truth in order for us to live life. So many times we see the Bible in the context of church. There's nothing wrong with that. But the Bible is a book of life. Our friend, Pastor John Betts, has a church in Georgetown, and the title of his church is Abundant Life Church. People need to know how to live life. It's more than just writing and arithmetic. Uh, it's, it's got to do with life itself, Okay? And so I want you to look at the Scripture. Let's get the Word of God. Uh, Matthew chapter 3, look at this. And it says in in verse 1, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, say it with me, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Notice now, John the Baptist is a forerunner to Jesus Christ. Now Jesus comes on the scene. Look at chapter 4 and go over to verse 17. And Jesus says that for that time, Jesus began to preach and say, come on, read it with me. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. All right, so now what we see is Jesus is introduced by the message of the kingdom. When Jesus comes on the scene, he begins to preach the kingdom. Now, turn in your Bible to John chapter 18. John 18. Okay? Now, this this, we have we have just read scripture that had to do with the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Very first. Introduced by John, repent, the kingdom of heaven's at hand. Jesus, repent, believe the gospel of the kingdom. Now here we are in John. 18 and I'll start reading in verse 33. And it said then then Pilate came to the pletorium again and called Jesus said to him are you a king of the Jews and Jesus answered him you are speak are you speaking for yourself about this or did others tell you this concerning me and Pilate answered am i a Jew your own nation and chief priests have delivered you to me what have you done? And Jesus answered. He says, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I would, should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. And Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a, are you a king then? And Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born. For this cause I've come into the world, that I should bear witness to truth, and everyone who is of truth hears my voice. Now, what am I saying? I'm saying that Jesus' ministry is concluded now, his earthly ministry is over. He's on trial, and in just a couple of hours from this passage we read, he's going to be on the cross. So then we we see his ministry where it starts. He's talking about the kingdom. And when he concludes, the question becomes, are you a king? And he says, it's as you say. So then the kingdom then becomes the bookends for his ministry. And when he's crucified, they put a sign over his head in three languages that says, King of the Jews. So I want to emphasize upon you that there is something greater than your personal salvation. I am grateful for my personal salvation and for yours, but what are we saved to? What is our salvation all about? The fact is Jesus came and inaugurated the kingdom of God in the earth. He ascended into heaven, sent the spirit of truth into our hearts whereby we cry out relationship with God and we call him father from that point we go forth as the children of God ambassadors for the kingdom of God now that's our responsibility here it's not just being I'm good to my neighbors the golden rule and such of course that's important but there's a bigger issue at stake. There is a stake that's so important that if the Lord said to you, give it all away, then we would give it away. Because we have a kingdom that will not fail. It shall remain forever and ever. The earth shall melt with a fervent heat and pass away, but there will be a new heaven and a new earth and God shall reign gloriously forever and ever Can somebody say amen? Amen. So let's look at this parable. Matthew 13. The man went out to sow. And it says that he sowed In verse 24, he sowed good seed. But while men slept, the enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat. And when the grain sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares appeared also. I want you to think about this a moment. Jesus said, there was a man and he went out into his field and sowed good seed. But notice in this verse, 26, it says, but when the grain had sprouted and produced the crop, then tares also appeared. How about that? So what that means is this. Let me ask you a question first. What what do you... What do you think about the hour in which we live? Do you think it's possible that we're living in last days? Do you think that? Do you think it's always been like this? Or is there something further wrong now than it's ever been before? Huh? You see, I believe that we're living in conditions like last days. The Holy Spirit hasn't said to me that we're in the last days as far as the Lord may come today. I've heard that preached. He may come today. He may come today. I don't think He will. But He could. He doesn't have to have my vote. But there's something way wrong. We've just gone through COVID. How many of you know that wasn't a Delmarva problem? That was a worldwide problem. How many of you know that that, uh, 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 homosexuality is not a Delmarva problem? It's a worldwide problem. I'm talking about worldwide. There's always been pockets of problems. But you see, when a God is trying to have order, our God's a God of order. And His government is a government of order. And order has to do with morality. Morality has to do with what's right and what's wrong. How many of you know some things are wrong? We don't want to say that anymore. We change our laws in our Supreme Court. And it's not just America. So I believe we have the conditions that meet for end time. Now, if that's true, if that is a fact, and I think that we're in that stage, and I think these next 15 to 20 years are going to be very, very difficult. Are you prepared for the harvest? I'm not asking you, do you think you'll go to heaven? Because if I were to ask you that, I think everyone in here would agree with that. You see, some years ago I think it was in the early '70s, uh, I was attending a Methodist church, and so were, I, was, had, had, I was married, but my parents were attending that church, and there was a, a, the film, "The Hiding Place," was just put out. And uh, the Methodists, uh which we were familiar with, was putting an emphasis on everybody needs to go see The Hiding Place, that you need to see this film. And so our family, we went to Salisbury, and uh, they didn't have a theater here showing us, so we went to Salisbury to watch The Hiding Place. And all of you all of you are familiar with it, yeah? All of you have seen it or heard it, you're familiar with Corrie ten Boom. And when that service was over, or the movie was over, Corrie ten Boom then showed up on the screen and she said these words. She says, there is a problem among among the pastors of the American church. And she said, you are preparing people to go to heaven. And she said, that's good. She said, but you are not preparing people to suffer like we have had to suffer in Germany. And said, you're going to have to prepare people to suffer. Now, I came here with the intent this morning to encourage you. That is not a encouraging <laughs> phrase. I understand that. <laughs> All right? And I am distressed when we shut our churches down because of COVID. Now, that may not bother you, but it bothers me. It bothers me a lot. We shut our churches down I want to just make a point. And we shut them down because we said we were following the science. Okay. Now, I am not critical of science. But for science to function, you have to have observation and you need to be able to to evaluate it or measure it or determine it. It's called empirical knowledge. How many of you know you cannot put God on a scale or in a test tube or under a light? How many of you know that? And so what I'm saying to you is is that we serve a God who is sovereign that transcends science. And the scientists are not the head of the church. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. And when he says, forsake not the assembling of yourself together, he had a purpose in mind. He wasn't meaning to send us into trouble. He was meaning for us to glorify him, bring his kingdom to bear, put our foot on the COVID and see his kingdom bring life and the fullness thereof. Amen. You say, call this some pretty bold statements. Well, the scripture says that we shall be as bold as a lion, and we're coming to that time where we've given in and we've given in and we've given in until now in our schools they can't determine whether first graders are boys or girls or cats. Are you hearing me? Totally lost their identity. This goes back to what we call the monkey trials. There, what was it, 1923 or around about in Dayton, Tennessee, when they debated the biblical creation is compared to evolution. And biblical creation won that debate in the, as far as the legal was concerned, but in public opinion, they lost. And in your school, they don't teach creation. According to the Bible, they teach evolution. How many of you know evolution is a lie from hell? Well, it's not so bad. I mean, if they want to believe it, it's not so bad. It's terrible. It's terrible. It's a lie. And when you feed our children lies, 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 they forget to know who they are. And when they can't determine who they are, they'll surrender to all kinds of things rather than knowing that they are the children of the living God created to have dominion over this earth and to bring to bear peace and prosperity. Jesus didn't say, I came that you might get by. He said, I came that you may have life and that you may have it abundantly. Now what I want you to notice is this, that when we read that verse a while ago, it says he put the seed out while men slept. He said the enemy came in and sowed tares. No one noticed the tares until there was a crop. It says so. We read it. It said, when the crop showed up, that means when it came time for the harvest. That's what I'm talking about. If this is last days, we're talking about the harvest time. And those things are going to appear. Every time we come near harvest, things change. And everybody talks about all the change in America and all the change in our culture. Of course, why is it? It's because I believe God's preparing for the harvest. Now notice this. They now say, well, they said, Sir, did you not plant good seed in your field? And he said, yeah, I planted good seed. He said, well, then where did these terrors come from? He said, an enemy has done this while men slept. He's deceitful. He's a creep. He's a, he's a creature of the darkness. He crept in and sowed stairs among the good. So they asked him a third question. They said, sir, do you want us to go pull the tares up? That's the question we're faced with in America. Are we going to pull them up? Are we going to vote them out? Is that going to solve our problem? Do you think if we vote all that crowd out of Washington and put another crowd in, you think that will solve our problem? Come on. Will it? He said, no. Don't pull them up. I'm talking to you. Don't pull them up. He said, this is how I'm going to take care of them. Look at this. Verse 28. He said to them, an enemy hath done this. The servants said to him, do you want us to go and gather them up? But he said, no. Lest while you gather the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let them both grow together until the harvest. And at that time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather together the wheat in a barn. He said, let them grow. You see it? You see... See, wisdom is established upon truth. And I think that we've done a good job of that. We've studied our Bibles, we've had Bible studies, we have talked about it, we have discussion groups, we've worked with I think we've done a good job establishing the truth. But you see, there's another element to wisdom besides truth. And that is timing. See, if you do the right thing at the wrong time, it's the wrong thing. See, you don't go out to plant corn in October. You don't even go out to plant corn in July. That season's over. And what I'm saying to you if you believe that we're in a season where we're preparing for the harvest, then it's going to have a bearing on how you look at the opposition. There's always a command for us to pray for those who are in authority that we may live a quiet and peaceful life. But when we're praying for them and they're killing all these crowds every week by killing them in the schools, killing them on the streets, etc., etc., something's wrong. And God is saying something else to us. See, we believe, we believe that this Bible teaches the way of life. And when the public school system begins to teach doctrines that do not promote life, that promote death, we withdraw from that and establish Christian education. Christian education is more than reading and writing and arithmetic. Christian education is reading and writing, arithmetic and righteousness. There's a right way to live. And now we've come to the place where there's such rebellion. Oh my word. I mean, you, uh, I could elaborate on this. I don't want to do it. I, I, I want to move on. I just want us to understand that this thing has gone to a whole new level. Can you imagine what would have happened to me if I had slapped my teacher in school? And my dad found out about it. He would have knocked me from here to California. I, I mean, I'd have wished I hadn't been born. Would that have been a good thing? Somebody needs to knock some sense and somebody slapping a school teacher. And we're having that more and more. Talk to any teacher teaching in public school and they'll tell you what a struggle they're having these days. Is that right or wrong? See, I'm talking about when families are out of order, then the children get out of order, and then the youth are out of order, and then the strength of a nation gets out of order. All right? See, here's the thing. Here's the thing. See, I, I, I've gone to church all my life. Church is not a new thing for me. I went to church before I was born. Mom, I went to church in the womb. And I went to church. I love church. I always loved church. That was never a fret for me. I, I always wanted to go to church. And I've been in Sunday school classes, and this is my experience, maybe not yours. And they've taken the parables, and they say, you know, the thing about the parables they are such wonderful stories such simple truths anybody can understand them And I bought it The only problem was the people teaching it were sincere they just didn't know what the bible says See the parables use simple familiar language to teach a truth that is covered up Now look at your bible Look in Matthew 13. I want to show you. Look at this. Verse 10, 13. And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the secrets or the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For whoever has, to him will be given, but to he who will have abundance. And whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away. Therefore I speak to them in parables, uh, uh, because seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear, and do not understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. Hearing you will hear, and not understand. And seeing you will see, and not perceive. And for the hearts of this people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, their eyes are, have been closed, they are, should not see with their eyes or hear with their ears, lest they understand their hearts turn, and they, I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see and ears for they hear. For surely I say to you, that many prophets and right, uh, righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. He said, I'm speaking to him in parables. Well, why? It's because you have to understand that Israel, where he was, was under the domination of a Roman empire sanctioned by God. And Israel functioned with their their, uh, government under Rome, and Jesus then comes under all of that. And he begins to go into enemy territory and declare a new kingdom. And if they knew that he was proclaiming a new kingdom, they would cut him off. Matter of fact, just the fact that he spoke truth, you remember that on his first occasion when he went up to his home church, they took him out to the cliff and were going to throw him over and kill him. You remember that? several times during his ministry they sought to kill him but he slipped out I'm talking about timing there came a time when they falsely accused him and he opened not his mouth he didn't say a word as a sheep before the shears is dumb so he opened not his mouth And, and Pilate marveled and Pilate said don't you know That I have the power to destroy. You're not answering me. You better answer me because I can take your life. And what Jesus say? Pastor Bill shared it the other night. He said, "You wouldn't have any power at all if God didn't give it to you." How many of you know there'd be no power in Washington if it weren't a gift of God? There would be no power in United uh, uh, Nations if uh, any. uh, You got the picture? Jesus is building a kingdom right under the enemy's nose. The religious people, they got the law. They don't know what he's talking about. Notice what happens. Look over in verse 36. There's 36, And Jesus sent the multitude away and went into his house. And His disciples came to Him saying, Explain to us the parable of the tares. Now if it was so simple, and if it was so plain, they wouldn't need an explanation. They lived there. They knew what was going on as far as how to grow wheat and stuff. Yeah? But they didn't notice, Wait, while you're there, notice this. Uh, Notice verse 18. Well, in verses 3... Through nine, Jesus has taught the parable of the so- soils. Four kinds of soil. Okay? Now look at verse uh, 18. Therefore, he says, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone goes out and sows the word of the kingdom and does not understand, if the wicked one comes, snatch it away with sown in his heart. This is he who sees the word of the it." So in other words, the parable of all parables is the four soils. That's the key. That's the watershed parable. If you understand that parable, you're on the way to interpret other parables. And Jesus now is taking that simple parable and He's interpreting it for them. This is what He's going to do in this parable that we're talking about, the wheat and tares. He's interpreting it. So let's look at it. Let's look at verse 37. Well, let me read 36 again. Then Jesus... Uh, sent the multitude away, and went into the house. And the disciples came and came to him, saying, "Explain to us the parable of the tower." And he answered them, and he gives them seven answers. Now, notice what he says: "He who sows the good seed is the Son of Man." Okay. Now, in the first sower, in the one of the soils, he never mentioned who does the sowing, but here he says, "The Son of Man." is sowing all right now let's continue in verse 38 the field is the world notice now the field is not the church okay now, we, we love the church. We're a part of the church. Where it says, forsake not the assembling yourselves together. The church ecclesia is an assembly that meets together as a governmental body to bring to bear the moral qualities, of the kingdom of God in this world to restrain evil until the purposes of God is complete. Of course, we believe in the church. But notice now, he's not sowing into the church. He's sowing into the world. Now let's go further. In verse 38, and he said, "Look, who the good seed is. The good seed are the sons of the kingdom." Look at me. Who are the good seed? Look to your neighbor, say you're a pretty seed. Yeah. Okay. Steve, you you got it made, buddy. You All right, you got the picture? You're it. You're it. If God is going to do anything in Milton, He's going to do it through you. He's put you here for this purpose. He didn't put us here with the Mayflower. He didn't put us here with Abraham Lincoln. He put us here under Biden. And He's given us a responsibility to bring to bear the kingdom of God. Good seed, that's what you are. You're good seed. Yeah. Yeah. Look to your neighbor and say, you're looking good. Yeah, looking good. Now look back to your neighbor and say, you are good. Yeah. Look back again and say, you serve a good God. Yeah, yeah. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Can you say amen? Yes. You are the good seed. I thank God for you. I know some of you. I know some of the stuff you've been through. For some of you I don't know, but you've been through stuff too. Is that right, Steve? You believe it. And you're still serving Him. You're still saying, I trust the Lord. Pastor Bill's been through it three ways and backwards. He says, I love the Lord more today than I ever loved Him. Yeah. Bill Davis, what he's been through, close to death even, But he's still trusting God, still serving God, still standing strong in his house. He said years ago, for me and for my house, we're going to serve God. Amen. 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 We're not about to get run over. We're not about to be put out of business. No, no. We're putting on the whole armor of God. Yes, sir, we. Devil, you got a problem on your hands. These people are good people. Yeah. You remember when the devil came to do his thing to Jesus, Jesus said, he'll find no fault in me. I'll tell you what. (laughs) You are clothed with garments of salvation, robes of righteousness. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Blessed be the Lord. Yeah. You're the good seed. He said, this is how the kingdom works. You say, you're to be a witness. That means as you tell your testimony, this is what the Lord's done for me. Sometimes it means you just smile. Sometimes you may give somebody a couple of bucks. Sometimes it might mean that you just fill their car with gas. Sometimes you might cut their grass. Sometimes you just might say hi. Good seed. That's what you are. You're good neighbors. You're the kind of people salt of the earth. That's who you are. Look at this. Good seed of the sons of the kingdom. That's you. Tares? Well tell me who are the tares? Sons of the wicked one. Who's the wicked one? Huh? See, <clears throat> I remember standing talking to a pastor and he wasn't sure there was a devil. He thought that might be just a a, a middle mid a middle age. Fable, huh? Well, Jesus said the tares that show up when the crop is about ready to be harvested. I could elaborate on it. Verse 39. The enemy who sowed them, who is it? Yeah. So I want you to know he'll sow anywhere he can. He'll sow right in your house. You better watch out what's coming in on that tube. You better watch it because he is after you. And he's after your kids and your grandkids. And sometimes you just have to get rid of it. My boys loved, oh, great day. Is that program used to come on and kids loved it? I can't think what it was. All the kids watched this cartoon type thing. I don't know what it was. Sesame Street Street. that's it oh they love I love football they love Sesame Street and I've I've seen my boys sitting right to the table eating watching Sesame Street getting ready for school and I said to myself this is not going to work did isn't so I got rid of my television I talked to the boys about it I said listen this is not going the right way I'm watching too much football you're watching too much Sesame Street how many of you won't get saved on Sesame Street Yeah. So I got rid of my television. Well, my wife's parents thought that we were going to move back in the dark ages. So they wanted to give us a television. So we we turned them down, hurt their feelings. Then my folks wanted to give us a television. We turned them down, hurt their feelings. But we did without it. And we never had a television again until after I graduated high school and the boys left home. And we, we brought a television into our home. And uh, the reason we did, my wife got sick and with a back, big bang, back problem. And so we had it so she could get some distraction from the pain she was under for that season. And we stay, but we, we don't watch certain things. Okay? Because the devil is going to plant bad seed. That's what Jesus is saying here. He's going to put the tares in. That means that where you work is very important. That's your ministry. And when you work there, all them people planted around you have been planted there by the devil and they don't want you to talk about Jesus, but you just go ahead and do it in a way, in your way. Don't be foolish. Be wise. Wise as serpents. All right, you got it? See, say, I wish I could just work with a Christian organization. I have worked for Christian organizations for about 50 years. I maybe know the devil gets in there sometimes, too. Yeah, you got the picture. You, you're good. All right, now look at this. Verse 39 The enemy who sowed them is the devil. Okay? Harvest. Is the end of the age? Now we've already discussed this, and said we believe we're living in that time, or at least the conditions are like end times conditions. Let me qualify that just a moment. I remember as a boy that we did not have during the Second World War. We did not have electricity in our home. We was on a farm right here on Route One. We didn't have electricity in our home until 1945. But we had a radio, and it was a battery radio, and every night at seven o'clock, we would listen to the news. And my dad would listen to this guy, Gabriel Heater. You remember him? OK. Gabriel Heater talked about second, what was going on, Second World War, and the turning point of Second World War was a city that became named Stalingrad. It had been Volgograd. Grad in Russian means city. Volga is the river Volga, so it was a city on the Volga River. But they named it uh, the, during the Second World. They named it Stalingrad, and that was the turning point of that war. My dad listened to that war, and and uh, and that was uh, that that was important to me. And I uh, I thought about that, and then later we come to understand that all those millions of Jews had been put in those ovens. I mean, no, that was a horrible thing. That was a horrible thing. That's, they were educated people that did that. They were not uh, some kind of people that uh, didn't have enough, you understand? They were educated people that did that. Now, if I, had, if I had been at this stage in my life then, I would have said Hitler was an antichrist. Well, Hitler wasn't Antichrist. He wasn't the Antichrist, but he was against God. He hated God with a passion. And, uh, he, he, he so we, we, we went through that season. So when I look over church history, there are occasions where Antichrist did arise. And so we may be in a place now where there's an Antichrist spirit arising all over the world, but it's like the end of the age. There's other factors that enter in. So the harvest now, It's at the end of the age. Now look how the harvest works. He says in verse 39, He says, The harvest, the end of the age, and the reapers are who? Angels. Angels. He's going to send the angels. Now look at 40. Therefore, here's the destiny. Here's the destiny defined. He said that the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out the angels and they will gather out of His kingdom things that... Say it? Offend. offend. Things that offend. How about that? And those who practice what? Lawlessness. Lawlessness. What is lawlessness? See... You know what lawlessness is. You're just not used to talking to the preacher on a Sunday morning. You're loose sitting there listening. Listen. Lawlessness means the sign says, keep off the grass. And what do you do? The grass. I didn't say you did it. You said you did it. <laughs> All right? Yeah. When you see that sign, uh, years ago I read about a... a mo a, a motel that was on a, a ledge like a cliff at the edge on a rock thing at the edge of the Pacific Ocean. And it, it got so that people would go up there like the fourth or fifth floor and they would cast off the balcony right out into the ocean and the, the current was strong in order for them to keep it there they had to have a good bit of weight on their line. Then, when they crank in the line, the line would come up to the balcony beneath them and swing under, and that heavy weight would hit that big glass door and crack the door. So then they went, that would happen once, maybe once a month. So then, they put a sign in everybody's room, don't fish off the balcony. What do you think happened? Yeah. Yeah they have more cracks than they had before because <laughs> when, that's the way it works. Okay. Yeah. That's the way it works. All right. So he says now, things that offend. All right. Now, lawlessness. Lawlessness means don't tell me what to do. Don't do that. If I want To drive over the speed limit, I'm going to drive over the speed limit. And and if I want to cut you off, I'll cut you off. And if I want to shoot you, I'm going to shoot you. Yeah. Now, I don't want to be ugly about this, but I want you to see where I'm at. Our vice president, after that leak came out about Roe versus Wade, our vice president our country today, I heard her say, Who are I how dare they to tell me what to do with my body. How dare they! I'm not talking about a law of the Supreme Court. I'm talking about the law of God. And God said, don't do that. Do, Do we understand that? We're kingdom people here. We're not dependent on the Supreme Court, but the Supreme Court does function as God's agent to to restrain lawlessness. Don't tell me what to do. You better have somebody tell you what to do because you were born a sinner. And because you were born a sinner, you're biased to sin. Now think about this. Offense is a problem because I get offended. Do you? Sometimes we don't like to admit we're offended, but we get offended. All right? And when we get offended, we get angry because we we hurt. Somebody did something to us to hurt us. And when we hurt, we get angry. And when we get angry, we don't represent the Lord. There's a place to be angry, but there's a place to resolve your anger. You get offended, but you have to learn how to resolve. See, we got this whole thing in our country today of offended people. Think about that. I wrote some of these down. Think about that. Here's offended people. Some some whole individual communities are looking for somebody to blame for their problem. Men and women and young uh, young people are offended because they've been mistreated or abused minorities are offended because they feel they've been discriminated in our colleges and universities and marketplace, okay? Older white men feel offended because they've been treated with disrespect and objects of scorn because they blame for social problems. So everybody's offended. And it's even on the news. You listen to Fox News. I listen to it once in a while. Well, they talk about how much hate there is in the world. Where's that come from? That comes from hurt. People are offended, Okay. Now Jesus deals with this, and he says this is the way you do offended, but let me show you what an offense is like. If you wanted to trap a tiger, a good-sized animal like a tiger, what you would do is dig a pit like this. And you dig this pit good and deep, and then you would put over the top of the pit, you would put leaves and brushes and branches, and put that over there, so that the tiger would not be aware that you had a pit there. Then, right in the center of the thing, right out in the middle, you'd put the bait. Put the bait right there. Now, you know, and I know that when the tiger comes when he's hungry and he really gets hungry, and, uh, and you watch, if you watch Nature Channel or something like that, Jig uh, uh, you'll see that when they really get hungry, they take strong risk. So he comes up. He comes up to get the bait and he smells the bait. He thinks about it. He goes around, he goes around, he smells it. And then suddenly he goes for it. And when he goes for it, this is weak. And down in the pit he goes. How many know you got him? He's in there. All you got to do now is come, clear the rush of the brush all the way, and then you can, if you want to kill him, put your spear in him, you got him. You got the picture? Alright. Now here's what happens. You're coming along in life, minding your own business. You go to Philadelphia because you want your kids to see the Liberty Bell. You go down around the main street, down around the corner, and you, you get your car gets shot with a drive through with drive by shooters. And here you are, you're minding your own business, you go get your own family, and so man, here's what happens. You are so angry because this is going to cost you a bunch of money and you wind up, bam, you're in the pit. Now how are you going to get out of that pit? You say, well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to it. bless God, and I'm going to get some people on my side and I'm calling Saints for justice from Melton. Bless God. And we're going to go out here and burn the post office down. Maybe, maybe we'll burn down the police station. And maybe we'll beat up some cars. We'll, oh, that's how we're going to... How many know Jesus didn't do it that way? I'm talking to you this morning. I'm saying that we have a power. Jesus said, forgive them. And Peter said, how about if I give them seven times? What Jesus say? Isn't it interesting when we hear about all these different things, Black Lives Matter and all that, when we hear about all of that, we don't hear anything about forgiveness. Why? Because no one is willing to pay the price. So Jesus is on the cross. It's not His fault. They have done everything they can, nailed His hands, put nails in His feet, blood's running everywhere. And He said, Father, let them have it. Could he have? Could he have called out enough angels to wipe out the whole nation? He said, Father, forgive them. And he said, They overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and what's the last one? And they love not their lives unto death. You sold me a soldier who's not willing to die, I'll show you a coward. He's not going to stand and break down the enemy. Jesus is going to take out all these things that offend us. All of this sexual disorientation, all of the lies, all of the hunger for power, and all of that, Jesus is going to take it out at the harvest. He says he is. He said, I'm going to take out everything that offends. I'm going to take out all lawlessness. Now the question is, do we want to go with that crowd? Are we going to stand faithful as his ambassadors? He says, this thing is going to deteriorate to where I get so fed up that I'm going to send strong delusion that even the elect will, will, buy, uh, will believe the lie if I didn't cut the time short. Now what am I saying to you? I'm saying that I believe we're headed in to some real opposition. And you better know who you are and you better know who your buddy is. If the devil can get you by yourself, he's going to nail you to the wall. We need one another. That's what this congregation is all about. That's what Pastor Bill's life is all about. Is We believe that Jesus is calling together a people not to just go to heaven, but to bring the kingdom of God to bear here. A people whose lives reflect His character. And so it says this, Therefore, as the elect of God, You are the elect of God. He has chosen you. You didn't choose God. He chose you. As the elect of God, holy, you are holy because the Lord has made you holy. You are indwelt by a Holy Spirit. You are holy and beloved. You are loved of God. He loves you. Okay? He said, therefore, as the elect of God, Holy and beloved, put on put it on. It won't be natural. Put on tender mercies and kindness, humility and meekness and long suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, even as Christ has forgiven you. Let the peace of God rule in your heart and be ye thankful. Be wise, singing, teaching one another and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart unto the Lord. And whatever you do, in word and deed, do all. In the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Colossians 3, verses 12 through 17. We're here empowered to make a difference. And if we're going to make the difference, we need one another. And Jesus wants us to make the difference. Pastor Bill wants to make the difference. Pastor Tim And you do too. If you didn't want to make a difference, you wouldn't be here. So I want you to stand together with me. Lord, we bow our hearts and we bow our heads together. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that as we face this week, that we would put on a garment of praise to praise you and bless you with thanksgiving and that we would be willing to forgive and tear up the IOUs and leave vengeance to you. That we might shine as lights in this dark and perverse world among this crooked and perverse generation. And Lord, we don't know when Jesus is coming back But we know this, if you will help us, we together will be a witness to your loving kindness, to your holiness, and we will worship you in the beauty of holiness. We love you, Lord, because you first loved us. And I pray now your peace upon every person here and that the joy of the Lord would bring strength to overcome every obstacle that we face this week in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want you to turn, hug a neck as you're dismissed. Bless you.
0: Thank you you so much for joining us for today's message. You know, we would love to invite you to come and visit us in person sometime. If you're ever in our area, you can find us at 415 Union Street in Milton, Delaware where we have prayer and worship services on Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m., Bible study on Saturday evenings at 7 p.m., and a Sunday morning worship service at 10.30 a.m. We would love to minister to your children as well. We offer children's church during the adult service. Children are excused to go back to their classes right after the worship time. You can also find more information about us on the web at unionstreetmeetinghouse.org or on Facebook at Union Street Meeting House. So we look forward to sharing the message with you next week. Hope you'll return to this podcast. Thank you so much and God bless you.